Okay, church, welcome. It is Sunday, June 12, 2022. Thank you for being with us here today. Um, it's a little bit with a solemn and a little bit more um, focused, I guess, mind on some narrower things that I'll share with you later uh, that I come to you uh, to just call us into worship. And I begin with uh, our church's mission statement. It reads that we exist to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, to make disciples, to love God, to love neighbor, to worship God, and to enjoy Him forever. So because I was reflecting on this, I realized that these things are, are verbs. These are things that, actions that we take on, um, that we uh, attempt to do, of course, in the power of the Spirit, by the will of the Father. But they're also done unconditionally, um, that we preach the good news of Jesus Christ, regardless of whatever context or audience we're found in to make disciples regardless of the desire or non-desire to do so to love God to love neighbor of course loving is not always easy to worship and to enjoy God forever is of course something that wanes in the sinful heart so it's unconditional these things that we're called to do and I was reminded of that this week and that was my prayer for our church coming into today's Sunday um, I mean, I already shared with you in the group chat, for those of you who may know, but um, a brother of ours lost his father this week, and I lost a lot of sleep over this. Um, not because that, not because of the event itself, but um, just thoughts, a lot of thoughts and a lot of feelings that were um, just excruciating, and. I want to share with you as we go into time of worship a psalm and it comes from Psalm 30. So let me read it for you. This is the first five verses of this psalm. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Shoal. You have kept me alive that I would not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you, his godly ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Um, so that next morning, yeah, joy came. And um, I hope that that would be the case for us, not because we forget the sorrows of life, but because we remember the joy that is found in Christ. So I call you into worship to remember this truth. Let's close our eyes and take a moment of silence, not only repentance, but reflection of the joy that is truly found in the Lord and be reminded of this. Let's take a moment to pray.
Amen. I want to read for you from our catechism, uh, question 61. On the heels of question 60, of course, uh, the content of the fourth commandment, we then look to the question of, if you could go to the slide on the catechism, uh, what is forbidden in the fourth commandment? Uh, that is the question. What is forbidden in the fourth commandment? Can we go to that slide, Mikey? Uh, the fourth commandment forbids the omission, the answer reads, or careless performance of the duties required. And the profaning the day by idleness or doing that which is in itself sinful or by unnecessary thoughts, words, or works about our worldly employments or recreations. It's very wordy, but uh, what it really is teaching us uh, that it is that it forbids uh, the omission or careless performance of the duties that are required. And we reflected on some of those things previously. And we profane this day by idleness, like doing nothing, right, or laziness or such and such, doing that which is in itself sinful, obviously, unnecessary thoughts, words, or works, but our worldly employments or recreation. We're supposed to rest on this day, right? That it is set apart in a particular manner. Um, so that's what's forbidden, and uh, hopefully that we can talk about some of these worldly employments and recreations and those what those things mean, uh, perhaps a little bit closer, um, maybe in our study in the future. But take a moment to reflect on that. This is a set-apart day. This is the Lord's day. Uh, I want to just lead us in prayer as we go into a time of song and as we, as our worship team will lead us in doing so. Let's close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day. Started gloomy, started a little bit, uh, <laughs> a little hesitation on our on our end in terms of what the weather would be like, but uh, thank you for just opening the skies and uh, just giving us uh, light. Perhaps just um, a good reminder of that even amidst um, some of the darker moments of our life that the light does not cease. God, we thank you for your provision. We thank you for your constant uh, grace, uh, common grace that allows us to just be alive, uh, even in our sinful states. Uh, thank you, Lord, for your guidance, your compassion, your mercy, your love upon us. Um, thank you for your son, Jesus, who came and died for us and rose again. We thank you, God, for each and every single thing and person in our life and we ask oh lord that we would live in constant gratitude and humility in knowing that we have really no control over anything god we ask that this day as we sing songs and as we pray prayers and read from your word that you would gift us with um, just enlightenment revelation and truth but also just a joyous heart uh, that we lift these things to you may you be pleased honored and glorified this day. We thank you and pray all this in your name. Amen. Our praise team will lead us in a time of song.
Welcome church, it is June 12, 2022. It is a fantastic day to see you all, to be in the presence of the Lord this day, uh, to gather our hearts and our minds um, just to worship. Uh, if you have a Bible, please open it. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 45 to 50. Um, we're continuing, of course, our sermon series on 1 Corinthians. We're very, very close to the end now. Uh, just probably one more sermon on 15 and then a couple more on 16 we should be ready for malachi by then right so first uh, corinthians 15 today verses 45 to 50 last week we looked at two analogies and of course the conclusion that paul draws in verse uh or at the end of that um we looked at that last week uh, in verse 44 and so we continue to read and this is the word of god i'll read from my bible and you can read or follow along in yours so also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy or earthly in some Bibles. The second, second man is from heaven, as is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Amen. This is the word of God. I want to pray for our unreached people group of the day. They come from India. They are the Babra, spelled uh, B-H-A-B-R-A. The Babra, 37,000 of these people, very small people group considering, of course, the over billion people who live in India. Uh, none are Christian. They're completely um, just unreached, 0%. Uh, their primary religion is not even known. It's kind of tribal and, I guess, ancestral in nature. And so there's no real definition or descrip description of the belief system of this community. Uh, but they are unreached, and so we'd like to pray for them. They live um, primarily on the border of Pakistan and India. Uh, so let's pray for the Bab Ra of India and for their salvation, the reaching of the gospel to these people. Um, and then, of course, you know, this past week I shared with you some unfortunate news, and uh, I did promise uh, Daniel that we would pray for him and his family. Uh, I think that includes Anna, to be honest, um, just some of the... Um, the heaviness that comes with that so we're gonna get maybe to the details later Anna will take some time post uh, service today to share uh, something with you and we'll give her that time and uh, we also like later for us to maybe pray for her um, I guess in representation of Daniel and his family uh, so we'll do that at the end of service like after everything has concluded um, but I'd, I'd also like to take some time now to pray uh, for him and his family um, yeah I can't can't really fathom but let's pray um, God we thank you we thank you for um, just this time the time the precious times that we have in life precious moments in life where we can gather as brothers and sisters in Christ to to really fellowship and worship together uh, to grow in relation to one another but grow in relation to you and and our knowledge of you and just expanding ourselves and maturing ourselves in the faith. God, we ask um, for the holy revelation of your word to be upon us. 
through the power of the Spirit to open minds and hearts, to see the truth, to comprehend, to receive, and to be transformed by it. Father, we also ask for the Babra of India, um, that they would come to know Christ, the Savior and Lord, as we have come to know Him, that they too would hear the gospel and respond in faith, that they too, Lord Father, would proclaim the name of Jesus to all those in their community and those around them. We pray for a church to be established in this community and uh, that, um, uh, that there would be faithful men and women um, existent within this part of the world. Father, we also pray for uh, our brother Daniel, his family. Um, I really honestly don't know. Um, I just don't know what is going on, what experience. I'm sure there's obviously um, comfort that they can find and seek in Christ, but of course there's grieving as well. And so uh, as things are progressing and as things as times of reflection occur and as a community as we come together we just lift prayers for them and uh, we ask O oh lord that you would be with them in this hour and in this time in this season we thank you we lift your holy name all these we pray in the name of jesus christ amen yeah this was a tough sermon to prepare i mean a lot of it obviously 15 is about chapter 15 is about death resurrection upon the news hearing from Daniel this past Tuesday was a very unfortunate like it was just really hard for me to put this sermon together um, I actually finished this like probably like 3 a.m. last night I barely got any sleep really so if I suck at softball today you know why right it's, I didn't get any sleep just you know putting that out there as a preface um, but yeah it was really tough I don't know it was really really tough to put this together so I'll do my best to articulate uh, what is here? What is found in this text today is quite simple. There's nothing complicated about it, right? When you read it, Paul does the preaching really, like, just perfectly. It's done. It's, there's not much for me to elaborate or add on. Um, but let me give you perhaps the connections that this text has to what is prior, what is coming. Um, and then, of course, just give you a little bit of insight in terms of uh, the exact uh, nature of Paul's argument and what he's trying to convey and just give you a little bit more precision I guess in your understanding of what the text reads in the previous part of the text Paul discussed the reality of how God transforms the bodies bodies the physical bodies of the elect from that once from that which once was to bodies anew he used analogy or he used the analogy of the seed and of course the analogy of the bodies to explain this truth and teach the Corinthians that uh, it is not the case that we simply dispose of the earthly bodies that we inhabit or that we inhabit currently, but rather that these bodies are perfected, they're transformed into the best possible version that they can be, into glory. This transformation is solely an act of God. It's most clearly exemplified in the resurrection of Christ. The natural body is sown into death, but raised into power and glory, just as Christ did on the cross for our sins. He died for us, but of course, as we read, he also rose from the grave, conquering death and sin, returning in heavenly glory he the same christ yet bodily glorified paul now builds on this argument theologically by appealing to the adam christ dynamic and how that shows us this reality emphatically now just as a preface or i guess as a header we're not getting into a christological argumentation here we're not finding something that is christological in its uh, in its point right that's not what paul is trying to do at least in this particular in these particular set of verses right but what he's trying to teach us is how adam 
and the last Adam, Jesus Christ, really prove to us or show us, demonstrate to us the earthly or the earthy and the heavenly body reality that there is a body now and a body to come. So that dynamic uh, emphatically shows us and represents this reality to us. Paul quotes Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 in which that verse reads, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being or living soul, right? As the text quotes, Paul indicates the origin of Adam's body and earthly life, or natural is really the term used here, that God took the dust of the ground from the earth itself and breathed life into it to form man. This origin is key to understanding, uh, to, uh, is key uh, to understanding Paul's argument today as it will act as the basis for the entire premise of his argument. Let's examine the text to see what Paul desired to teach a Corinthian church and then we'll get into a simple conclusion for today. I have three very simple points. Number one, the bodily order, right? So it's, I don't know, I didn't really have a creative title this week. Bodily order, verses 45 to 46, and then earthly to heavenly, verses 47 to 48. And then we'll get into verse 50 again next week. I just wanted to read verse 50 just to give you sort of what it leads into. We're going to end today in terms of the teaching on verse 49, bear the image. So three points, bodily order, earthly to heavenly, and then finally we'll look at bear the image. Now, just as there is creation order, first, so we're looking at verses 45 to 46 in your Bible. Just as there is creation order in God's design in all of the universe, so too is there design and order in all things that God intends. Whether it be our worship, as Paul has explained, of course, when we're talking about the spiritual gifts and you know tongues and prophecies in chapters 12 to 14, or in this case, the order of our bodies. Now remember that the contextual question that Paul is answering to the Corinthians in this case, in this specific part of this chapter, is not so much a question of Christology. In other words, who is Christ? But he is answering the specific question of the nature of the resurrected bodies that we will have, right? That, so the Corinthians are going, we're going to be resurrected? If so, what will these bodies be like? Where, what will they be? He's already established the nature of a true resurrection of our bodies to come. He did so, of course, in the first half of chapter 15 said the resurrection is true absolutely we can see this in christ in his resurrection this is absolutely true. our union with him you know must dictate that we die to our sins in his death and we live to christ in his resurrection he has stated and grounded that argument both fully and firmly for us so the question that he's answering assumes faith in a resurrection and a reality of a resurrection. The follow-up question then that is being addressed is, what then are these resurrected bodies going to be like? What do they look like? What are they? Where do they come from? Who does this raising? <laughs> to that Paul is stating, it will be like Christ's, right? And it doesn't mean like we like have Christ's body, like our heads are on Christ's body, right? Like some like weird uh, fusion, but we're talking about the likeness to Christ's resurrected body in the age to come. It will be in the same vein of likeness that our current bodies share to the likeness of Adam's body, right? Inheriting original sin. So there is an order. First, we exist in our earthly bodies that are like Adam's. Genesis 2-7 is the basis. And then we will inherit bodies that are like the last Adam, Jesus Christ. Serves, and this serves, of course, to give us life. That's why it reads, right? In uh, verse 45, so... Uh, sorry, verse 46, however the spiritual, oh sorry, verse 45, last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Right, so it's a life-giving, a resurrection to that which is dead. We'll be in this, and our bodies to come will be in the same 
likeness in that same vein, right? So there is an order. First we exist in our earthly bodies that are like Adam's, and then like Christ's in our resurrection. One gives death since it is tainted by sin. We inherit this from our federal head, Adam. So the earthly body dies. But the latter body is raised to life and it is made new and is spiritual. But remember, we're not talking about metaphysical spiritual con construct, right? It's spiritual in the sense uh, that it is raised to life by the power of the Spirit, by the will of the Lord. The origin of Adam's body is the earth, whereas the origin of Christ is of the Spirit, work of the Spirit. This is the order we ought to believe when it comes to our understanding of our bodies. But yes, we have a body now, but we also have a body to come, right? The second point, earthly to heavenly, verses 47 to 48. If you take a look at the verses, it's, it reads, or it teaches, Paul makes it even clearer here in this middle section, this idea of origin and source. Adam is from the earth, the NASB translates the scripture as earthy. Your Bibles might read earthly. But the second Adam, or the last Adam, and he uses that terminology very deliberately, right? He doesn't name him Jesus Christ. He goes Adam and then Jesus Christ. He's the second, or the last Adam. He connects the two. There's a connector that he's trying to make, a theological connection to teach you the proper theological connection between Adam and Christ. And he says that second body of the second Adam is of heaven. Those who are earthly or of the natural are simply of the earth. This is by virtue of their creation procedure. God breathed life into the dust of the earth. From earth we came, by sin to earth we shall return. But Christ is not by virtue of his resurrected body of earth, but rather of heaven. Right? His return in glory is constituted by the work of the Spirit, by the will of the Father, and thus his resurrected body, in which we will share in likeness in our resurrection, is of heaven and not of earth. From heaven he came, and to heaven he shall return. Is that perhaps an idea we can ponder? A thought we can question? But the reality is this. For us, it is true to say this, that the elect, that believers, Christians, are those who from earth they came, to heaven they shall go. And this is only possible for those who are in Christ, in union with him. For we must share in a body that is made new, raised to life, brought into glory, as was Christ's. And then we get to this final point in verse 49. It concludes the idea, but it leads straight into verse 50 and the rest, and what we will examine really next week. And finally, in verse 40, Paul makes this very practical, simple conclusion that believers will ultimately bear the image of the heavenly. This is the natural conclusion to the seed analogy. That which is planted, a seed, in one body will grow into a new body, yet the same but different. Started in one form, ended in another. But certainly true is to say this, that that which grew came from the seed. If God is growing us into this new body, not only is it true that we will be given new heavenly bodies, but it will come from the planting of the old. Paul teaches us in 2 Corinthians 5 that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation, that the old is gone and they are made new. And we know, of course, reading in the first part of 1 Corinthians, uh, that this is a reality now and not yet, right? We talk about that, or we talked about that. 
Jesus teaches this same principle in his conversation with Nicodemus in John 3. There, Jesus teaches that one must be born of flesh and spirit, and spirit in order to be born again. That type of language may have been foreign to Nicodemus, but to you keen Bible readers, it would make total sense. We must be born again in the spirit in order to enter the kingdom of God. This is because what and who we are now is incapable, insufficient in its ability to be accepted into such a kingdom. Our flesh is sinful. We are transgressors. Only those who are in Christ and thus bear the image of the heavenly, only those can be received into heaven. Why? Because Christ's image, likeness, righteousness are imputed upon us as if our own, yet not our own. And thus we are received. But the final realization of that imputation is a reality of a truly resurrection body for all of the elect, all believers, into glory and power, made fully anew into men and women who can be called sons and daughters of the Most High and of the Almighty. So let's praise God this day for His work in us, not yet fully realized now, but certainly will be true later. What a hope we have in Christ. What a story it will be. What a conclusion we can look forward to. This really is where I got stuck on this sermon. And this really is where I start adding all the other details and constructing other things and points. But I was just stuck this week. So I started doing something really, uh, what I do to kind of get my mind off things that are super serious or super whatever. Uh, namely during my exam period, I love doing this. I just started watching a bunch of YouTube videos. <laughs> and uh, one, of the, one of the things I like to do is, I don't like re-watching really long movies because I just think it's like, it's just so long. Like, like praise the Lord for a one and a half times speed on, uh, on video playback these days. But, you know, back in the day, you, could, you had to like hold down the fast forward button in order to like do that essentially, right? It wasn't as easy. If, if anyone's familiar with VHS, right? But anyways, um, so this week, uh, I ended up, going back and doing a little bit of like summary video watching of one of my personal favorite cinematic enterprises, The Lord of the Rings, right? And it also happens to be one of my favorite fictional novel series. It's a medieval themed epic that centers the story around a certain, obviously, ring, right? The Ring of Power. Does anyone not watch Lord of the Rings? I just want to know who the sinners are in the room. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Just repent, please. Like, repent of your unfaithfulness. You will be judged on that sin one day, just letting you know. Um, but anyways, uh, Lord of the Rings, must, must watch. Um, whether you watched any of it or not, I'm sure you are aware of its existence in the cinematic universe, right? And the uh, movie goers would know and be very familiar with such films. And some of the references of, this, of these films, I'm sure you are aware of, right? I really doubt any of you have really, or maybe some of you have read the books, but uh, at least the movies, right? Now, one of the main characters in Lord of the Rings, you guys know the Thou Shall Not Pass guy, like the Gandalf, like the wizard, right? No, he is not Dumbledore. He's Dumbledore's Harry Potter. Uh, Gandalf is Lord of the Rings, okay? Uh, two completely different people. Um, Gandalf is a powerful wizard. And in the story, but many people don't really understand, sort of the intricacies of the universe that Tolkien created. Jerry Arto, he's the author of the Lord of the Rings. The first film and the first book of the three-part trilogy is called The Fellowship of the Ring. 
And in this part one, Gandalf appears as Gandalf the Grey. It's literally Grey. <laughs> he organizes and leads a group of men who are brave enough to endure the journey to what's called Mount Mordor, which is where this ring of power was initially forged and created. The ring is a symbol of sin and the human desire to avoid death. It represents the allure of power, and so it can only be destroyed in the fiery lava of the mountain from which it was originally created. But this journey is obviously no cakewalk. It's not just, oh, let's climb that mountain and throw the ring in there, right? It's literally like they got to go through orcs and forests and crazy things. That's what makes the story, okay? It's not easy. Although... They had giant eagles that could fly over everything. I don't know why that wasn't utilized from the very beginning. But anyways, um, they had to walk through, okay? So here's these bunch of men, the Fellowship of the Ring, carrying this ring and uh, leading it to its destruction, okay? On top of that, there are enemies attempting to steal the ring. A Fellowship of Men come together to escort a young hobbit, just a short person, kind of like myself with big feet, by the name of Frodo. His name is Frodo Baggins, and his, his willingness to carry this ring as a soul bearer and lead it to its destruction. So he is entrusted with this task, can't do it alone, so the fellowship comes together to help this young hobbit do so. Gandalf the Grey is the wise sage and wizard and intellectual leader of the fellowship. He also volunteers to help out. He has immense power and wisdom, of course, being a wizard. He leads the fellowship to the mines of Moria where they encounter a horrendous monster called the Balrog. Balrog is like invincible. It's just this huge monster creature. cannot be defeated. Uh, certain death is upon those who challenge the Balrog. It is here that Gandalf the Grey sacrifices himself. The thou shalt not pass gif or meme or whatever it is now. That is that scene where he literally says, run you fools! And then he goes, thou shalt not pass, right? And he challenges the Balrog alone. Now, if you don't know, Tolkien was actually the person who uh, shared the gospel with uh, C.S. Lewis. They were close friends during the time of the Second World War. First and Second World War, probably. Well, actually, just Second World War. Um, and they, uh, they were very close friends. And he shared the gospel with C.S. Lewis with an atheist. And C.S. Lewis ended up becoming a semi-Protestant Christian. And Tolkien is a Catholic. He's a Catholic. But anyways, they both wrote these fictional crazy stories. One, Narnia, in this case, Lord of the Rings as I guess a bet between the two you could call it uh, to see who could teach biblical truth like teachings like theology uh, through these incredible fictional narratives right uh, so although I don't agree with Tolkien's theology uh, he does use a lot of the biblical understanding that he had of Christ and of the gospel and he portrays it in the narrative of his stories it's very very interesting and he's very intricate he's a genius in how he constructs this whole thing so if you have interest in this kind of stuff uh, watch a documentary on J.R. Tolkien and his writing of Lord of the Rings it's quite fascinating anyways here's Gandalf the Grey he's challenging the Balrog he's told the fools to run and he's going one-on-one -on -one with this monster he exerts all his strength and power to stop this beast in order to save the fellowship but he can only do so and he knows this at the cost of his own life there are three characters in Lord of the Rings that Tolkien created in his uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy that represent Christ. And, he, and each of these characters represents three different elements, if you will, or roles of Christ. Christ's death and resurrection, 
Christ the Savior King, Christ the Suffering Servant. Of course, if you know this series, uh, Frodo Baggins, the one who's bearing the ring in his willingness to carry it, is Christ the Suffering Servant, the one who's willing to take on suffering for the sake of all others. Aragorn, he's the rightful heir to the throne of Gondor. He represents the Savior King and the King who will return. The last of the trilogy is called The Return of the King. And Gandalf the Grey and Gandalf the Wizard represents Christ's atonement in Gandalf the Grey, his resurrection in Gandalf the White. When he takes on that Balrog, Gandalf the Grey dies, defeating the monster. But as he plunges into death to save his friends, there is a god in the Lord of the Rings universe. His god, this god, lowercase g god, is Eru. And Eru sends Gandalf back to Middle-earth. Middle-earth is the world. In order to help the Fellowship succeed in their mission. But he returns in the second book, The Two Towers, and in the film, as Gandalf the White. And in one scene, Gandalf, is, Gandalf the White is talking to his companions and they recognize him. He's like, this is certainly Gandalf. Yet, they notice something interesting. They say, there's something different about you, Gandalf. And he says, I'm not the Gandalf you once knew. It's really interesting, that scene. In the book, it's a little bit more epic. He is Gandalf, but not quite. He is substantially more powerful, more wise, more capable to help his companions fulfill and succeed in this mission. He is brought back to life by the god of that world in, in the radiance of white. In fact, the second film, it is Gandalf the White who comes riding on his horn on his horse, Stormfax, who he can now talk to, by the way, along with a legion of powerful soldiers known as the Riders of Rohan to defeat a massive orc army and save Helm's Deep. Yes, I am a nerd. It is Gandalf the White who acts as a beacon and symbol of hope because the power in him is actually the power of victory in that scene. There's, certain, there's a certainty of victory in such a symbol. His resurrection power becomes the power of the people of Middle-earth fighting the enemy Sauron. If Middle-earth, brothers and sisters, can find hope and strength in a wizard, an heir, and a hobbit, then brothers and sisters in Christ, I mean, I know this is fictional, but certainly we have so much more. These are just three characters representing slivers of Christ. Of course, ma monumental slivers, but just aspects what the Gospels teach us and the Bible shows us true risen Christ and he's not fictional he's absolutely true he's absolutely true and so we have a king with power willing to die for us to take on Balrog if you will who can and has conquered death and who will reign forever in his resurrection, we can then look forward to our own. Do you hate the sinfulness of your life? And as a Christian, you ought to. Do not be dismayed. Do not be discouraged at the filth that is in you, for it will surely be cleansed because Christ has risen.
you will be made totally new. So I was watching that YouTube video and I was going, I'm like gray now, but I'm gonna be Gandalf the White later. <laughs> That's sick. And I turned off my phone and I wrote the rest of the sermon. <laughs> That's 3 a.m. last night. What a night, eh? I've not only now convinced you, hopefully, to want to know Christ more, but also to want to watch the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Let's end in prayer as we reflect on what Christ and his word has taught us today. Space.
that we have may it just transform the way we live the way we see um, everything around us lord in this earthly life that you've gifted us and lord help us to just look to your kingdom for our hope and just everything in our life lord uh, we thank you that um, our faith is sustained by you and you only and not by our efforts or 
um, our good intentions, Lord, but that we're, our truth is founded in you, Lord. So we thank you for um, just the new hope that you've given us today. And we also pray for the offering. May we give out of cheerful, joyful, and uh, grateful hearts uh, for all you've given us to steward here. Um, and yeah, may it be used for your the furthering of your gospel um, in this community. So we thank you, Lord, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. All right, thank you. Um, first and foremost, welcome. It's your first time here. Uh, thank you for joining us, and we'd love to get to know you. So following service, please, uh, we'll introduce ourselves to you, <laughs> and we'll get to know you. But welcome, and thank you for coming back uh, for our regular attendees and members. Our offering uh, can be sent uh, via e-transfer to sheepgatefellowship at gmail.com. We also have uh, an offering box still, so if you'd like to give the old way, definitely do that uh, just please make sure on the envelope you note your legal full name uh, so we can document that for your future tax receipts um, all of our recordings can be found online so video or audio any podcast platform YouTube you can find all of our material online if you'd like to uh, take a listen or watch again and of course normally uh, following lunch we have our Westminster Confession of Faith study Today we will pause on that. Today uh, is uh, our church anniversary. So the entire church, not our EM, uh, but our like whole church itself. If you don't know much about our church, we started as just three families together. Um, then my father immigrated here and became the first senior pastor of the church and has been since. So never shifted, never moved. Uh, and here we are today. So on that, for that occasion, uh, they have prepared a barbecue for us. So all of you are invited, and we'd love to see you there. So if you can join us, please join us uh, for lunch. It's the park is just like uh, literally five, six minutes away, um, just on the other side of Shepherd. And so uh, we'll send you the address or any of that stuff, and just get in a car if you don't have one, and just, just get in anyone's car, it's fine. <laughs> and uh, we'll drive you over. And uh, I think the food should be ready by the time we get there, or might already be ready. So. That's exciting. Um, since the adults did such diligence this week, doing all the shopping and all the prepping, like yesterday came to church, like did everything, literally. Um, I think it's only right that we help, or we should just take on the whole cleanup project, right? So uh, please take initiative on that when we get there. Uh, we do need a couple helping hands moving things, uh, like rice and I think there's a watermelon, I don't know. Anyways, but we gotta move some stuff. So please help us, uh, don't just dip. Um, just look, you know, I know a lot of you just like to dip, but like, you know, uh, today let's, uh, let's help out, um, and, uh, look for opportunity and please express your gratitude to them. Like every adult has helped to put this thing together. Um, so just when you get there, make sure you express your gratitude. They pay for the whole thing too, right? So I don't know. Y'all are getting blessed. I don't, I don't know. I don't think you deserve it, but whatever. Um, <laughs> men's and women's group, uh, runs every month. Um, and we'd love to see you there. So if you'd like to join us and connect with us, uh, we'd love to, Christina leads the women's groups and uh, uh, Hyuni and John are in charge of organizing the men's. So by the way, welcome back, John. Um, back from Europe. Got on a plane, finally, right, and returned. That's wonderful. Uh, so welcome back. Uh, that's that. Corey will be leaving for Los Angeles this week for two weeks, so we won't be seeing my brother for a while, but uh, please pray for a safe uh, journey and he'll be uh, reconnecting with his father there as well. So you just keep him in prayer uh, for
for a good time, good safe time in Los Angeles. Uh, Aaron unfortunately injured his leg, um, like literally like Gandalf the gray mode uh, against the ball. And uh, fortunately, um, yeah, did some damage. So kind of out of commission for a bit. So if you could just keep his, uh, I think it's his knee, like leg part, like just keep it in prayer, right? Hopefully it recovers soon and can quickly get back on the field with us. Um, Andrew Moon <laughs> is in charge of our summer and fall retreat organizing. He could really use some help. Uh, he has come up with some location options uh, and we're thinking of budget and other things. Uh, but we are hoping to do at the t at the end of next month uh, a summer retreat, um, and so just keep that in mind. It'll probably be like a Friday, Saturday, Friday, to s Friday to Sunday type of thing. Um, but we love to see you there, and you can totally invite whoever and anyone like that would like to attend. You can totally invite them, and we love to have you there. I think it'll be a good time for us post. I don't want to say post COVID because I don't know if COVID's done done, but anyways, like post COVID, just reconnecting. Uh, first retreat in the, probably years at this point and many of you have never been on a retreat with us so maybe a good opportunity for us to connect on that level and just spend some time together in prayer and worship um, Bible study so today is actually postponed so because of the barbecue uh, we'll go into the rest of 1.6 and 1.7 uh, for confession faith next week uh, praise booklets Joy's working on it progress bar is somewhere um, on that on that scale um, so just bother joy and um, final two announcements one softball game today at seven o'clock so if you'd like to join us Centennial Park again we'll see you there praise God for I mean look at the sun right like the I woke up today it was literally like like I woke up to the sound of rain right and this is like crazy right never trust your phone apps like I don't know what that app is garbage that app is literally trash I don't know who designs that app or like what kind of trolling that they're looking to do every day to people's lives but it just totally is crazy but anyways um, Sun was not in the forecast there it is so that's that um, final lesson is of course I told you earlier this week that uh, Daniel lost his father uh, and uh, I'll leave the details to Anna to share for Anna to share uh, but yeah just being you know if you can reach out to him I think he would really appreciate just your condolences your prayers just your word of encouragement um he seems to be in good spirit i had a good conversation with him like just through text and uh i'm really grateful for him i think he's a solid guy in that family to have in a season like this like that is incredible right um and the prayer i had this week for him is that maybe this would be an opportunity for his siblings to really hear the gospel right and hear it well in such a season right um so i'm really praying for that um, so we'll leave uh, we'll leave that to Anna to share at the end. But uh, offering prayer next week. If oh Teresa's back from Vancouver. By the way, Teresa disappeared like, just like a ninja. It came back. Welcome back. But Teresa, if you could do the offering prayer next week, that'd be fantastic. Let's rise from our seats and now for the Lord's prayer. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever and ever. Amen. If you could take a seat for just a few minutes, uh, I'm going to welcome Anna up. and She's, she's just going to share something. I don't know if you need a mic. You can just share here if you like. or Would you like a mic? Maybe, Joy, you can arrange a mic for her. 
and a stand. Mike and a stand. Yes. Uh, do you want to stop the yes, stop the streaming, yeah.